This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey, yeah. yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Welcome to Judd's Hockey Show. As always, it's Olgad and Declan Goff. Talking about the National Hockey League, talking about the Wild. And uh, Dex, let's start with where we were on Saturday afternoon. At least we did not get there Sunday because there was a, a football game. You know, it doesn't help when the Wild plays games. When the Vikings are on, I know that they don't know that that game is coming up. But um, the Wild has back-to-back home games Saturday, Sunday. They play the Jets on Saturday afternoon. They play Calgary on Sunday evening. They get uh, three of the possible four points. A bit of a disappointment, although we didn't see it in the Calgary game that they had a one-goal lead several times, lost it each time, and eventually lost in the shootout. Uh, but let's start with what we did see, because I thought the effort two weeks after, I believe, getting blown out by the Jets, six rip at home yeah. in what was a terrible game, what we saw on Saturday was a nice bounce back, and uh, that's what the Wild can be when the Wild is, I guess the best term is, applying itself. Mm-hmm. I think, is I that think fair? Winnipeg, yeah, no, it itself? is. I think Winnipeg is a really still really skilled and good team in the West. Um, I think in our preseason thing we did in the beginning of the season, I said I still have them near the top of the Central Division. I think there's just too much firepower, and we saw it on display again. What was it? Wheeler and Shifley running up and down the ice. They're worth the price of admission alone. I love watching Winnipeg play a lot. But I thought that game on Saturday was one of the more entertaining and well-balanced games that we've seen from the Wild. Usually, when you have a team like the Jets who has that firepower, and when we just saw them get blown out 6 nothing a couple weeks back, it could have been that way right, right away, and it wasn't. And I think Marcus Foligno once again showed up in a big way, um, elevated to the third line. He, we all, we've been talking about him for the last year and year and a half or so as, as a really good leader and a really good role player. But now you're really even starting to see more of his on-ice contributions. And there's obviously a ceiling and a limit to what he can do on the ice. But something is clicking with him now where he's not just a, a leader and, and a role player. He's, he's elevated his game to a new level, which has surprised me. He's a great story, too, because he came from Buffalo two years back and I thought was abysmal. Ennis and Polino got here and I thought, what have you all done? Like, this is a terrible trade. And at least for uh, Scandella and Pommetville, it was just a salary cap dump, basically. Yeah, and Felino looked and Felino looked the part because he's a big guy and and he looks like he should be um, a solid player at worst. But he was terrible. And no, seriously. <laughs> and was. last year, and last year, you said, "Okay, show us something." And I thought he did. I thought he did. I thought he played much improved on the ice, off the ice. He was the guy who, as things. Um, uh, spiraled around the toilet bowl throughout the course of uh, last year, which was the first time after, what, six years of making the playoffs that the Wild did not. Felino answered questions of the media. He really, to me, was a captain type of guy. But this guy that we've seen in spurts now, and, and you know, he's been fourth line at times, he's been third line, he's been first line a couple of games ago, and I think that's asking a little too much. Nonetheless, though, this has turned into an impressive player, and he looks the part, and he plays the part, and the confidence is high. And if it was me, 
and I'm Mr. If it's not bolted down, trade it. But if, if it was me, this is a guy I would keep. I really like him. I think he's a rock-solid guy. I think he's a solid player. I think he's not going to complain if he starts on the fourth line and then plays on the second line and then is on the third line, you know? So there's his game I absolutely love, and his demeanor is great. And he also, it feels like now, and I might be wrong here, but it, the fact that he can fight, it also feels like he often picks the right time to fight, which is not much, Dex, now. It's not like you're fighting a lot. But he defends teammates, um, and he seems to have, he seems to know what's going to get his team going. I like all of those things, and this has been a guy who two years ago I thought was almost unplayable to a guy now who, aside from his brief stint playing left wing on the first line, which I really don't like that much, but besides that, I'm really comfortable with him playing a key role for this team. Well, we saw him play a lot of fourth-line minutes to begin the year with Victor Rask and Ryan Hartman, and you know what? That line was very productive, and it was exactly what a fourth line should be able to do every night. But it seems like he's finding his way towards the net more, and it seems like he's driving offense. And I guess, to me, is that more of just him getting on a little hot spurt? Is that him playing with better teammates, or is that him finally just kind of getting rewarded with playing with better teammates? And I think I, I think it's a curious question. It's not to rip him. I'm just I'm curious why all of a sudden there's a more uptick and there's a more noticeable spark in his game. Is it confidence? Is it improved skating? I don't know. Yeah, it, it's but a, there's something different. There's there. something different there. So his his first year here after playing uh, for quite a while with the Sabers, Dax was 2017-18. At the age of 26, he played uh, that year 77 games, eight goals, 15 assists, 23 points. Last year played in all 82 games, seven, 12, and 19. So the point production actually dipped a little bit, but I thought his play was superior. Yes. This year, at the age of 28, in 33 games so far, he's at seven goals. So he's one off his career high that, that he scored a couple years back for his time with the Wild. His career high was the year before he came here with the Sabres. He was at 13 goals in 80 games. Uh, but in 33 games this year, 7, 9, and 16, plus 7. That's great. I mean, he's productive. He's He's been so productive and sound for, for such a long time. And I know when he was signed here, it was a four-year contract. It was a little bit of a questionable deal because he was coming off a better season in Buffalo that last year at the Sabres. I think he got double-digit goals, That was the right? 13 goals, career high, so, yes. So I think there was a belief, Correct. and I believe we were just shooting this with uh, our buddy Pat Micheletti at the game a couple weeks ago, where I think Fletcher, who signed him, um, I think there was a belief he could, there was more to his game. It was almost like there was a little bit of Charlie Coyle in him. You know, like the, you saw his size, you saw the blueprint, and you thought, oh, there's more here. There's Not there's as talented, here. But, but he would apply himself more often. Sure. Yeah, and I, I think there was a belief he could be a re, um, even more an offensive player. And at that, I think that was unfair to assume. And sure. once you saw who he was as a, as a role player and as, as a teammate, yep. then you started to accept of who he was, and you, and you kind of just put the, put the issues with his offensive game to his side. And now... It's been it's been very very interesting to watch him develop and play and and turn into someone really special and very integral I think to the to the Wilds organization. How about this? Thirty three games, tough player, right? Tough kid, tough guy. Eleven penalty minutes. That's it. He he had really in, in his first year here he had seventy two. In his second year last year with the Wild he had fifty five. He's only at eleven right now. Hmm. It feels like he's gotten in a few more fights th- than that, right? It's it certainly feels like he's taking 
taken many, much more than 11 penalty minutes. That's hilarious that yeah. he's only taken 11. That is interesting. That's All right. very curious. What else from what, what we saw this on is, the weekend? This is something that's starting to really intrigue me. Um, Luke Cunnan. Luke Cunnan, I think, has been really flying under the radar this season. And I've always really admired him. I, I followed him when he was at a captain when he was a captain at Wisconsin. Um, I believe even captain of the World Juniors team too a few years back as well. And now and I think they won gold. Yeah, if if you just look at what he's been able to do in forty two games this year, ten goals, mm-hmm. nine assists, nineteen points. Yep, playing about fifteen minutes a night. Yep. I mean, if if you're just doing math times two, he's on pace for twenty a twenty goal season. His shooting percentage is sustainable, eleven percent. His shooting his shots per game has gone up. Um to over two a game. But here's what's, I think, so curious to me, and, and we saw it against Winnipeg. I think there is a really good player in transition here, a guy who can really get things going, and you don't you don't notice it a lot, but he has a great, he's the shoot-first mentality, I think, is starting to develop a little bit more with him. And even if you're looking at his splits, he only starts in the offensive zone 40% of the time. That's a that's a very low number to have, and then also to have only, to have 10 goals. So he's starting in the defensive zone 60% of the time yep. this season in 42 As games. As a wing. As a wing. Mostly. And he's a sound player. I wouldn't call him, you know, Mikhail Grandlin or, or Miko Koivu shut down kind of defensively kind of player. But he, he's... He's no Jules Eriksson No, he's not. But he's... And, but I think him with Eck has really developed a nice chemistry there. And he's starting... I'm with you, man. I think he's a good player. I, I think there's... I think we're not think appreciating not, him enough. I think he's just not sexy. He's not. He's not a sexy player. He, he, but he does, I think, everything so right. He's also a lot like Felino. There is a there is some captaincy in him, and obviously Absolutely. there's roots there Absolutely. from his Wisconsin and juniors time, but there's there's something more quiet is, leader with him. Is he ultimately a probably not as flashy, and I say that very, okay, not super flashy, is he sort of a not as flashy Parisi ultimately? You know, Zach, I can, I can see Zach where works his ass off yes. along the boards, in front of the net. He takes a beating. He does a lot of the little things. He's been beat down at times because of that. And I don't think Zach is the player now that he certainly was, let's say, five or six years back, Dex. But is Luke Cunning that type of player? Because, you know, Zach is the type of guy who the points are there or were there for a long time. Um, I don't think that you ever thought of him as this dynamic, skilled player. And Cunning's the same way to me. But is there parallels there, and Luke's not there yet, but are there parallels to be had there that by the time if Luke achieves what he possibly can in this league, that he will be, if not put up the stats that Zach has, he'll be in the bin of Zach Parise type players? I think that's probably safe to assume, especially if he if he's being deployed like this, um, where he's a guy that's being used in the defensive zone and, and trying to do a lot of dirty things that don't show up on the box score necessarily. That... That's why it's so surprising to me to see him have 10 goals. And, and hey, maybe I'm making him out out of Mohill. Maybe, maybe it's just, hey, he has 10 goals. Who who cares? Maybe he'll only finish with 13 and only score three goals the rest of the no, way. I think it's a, no, I think it, with this team it's important. But I, I agree, and you had to see the young kids step up. I And we're going to get into some midseason awards here in a minute. But I, I really think he has been a very underappreciated player, and I'm curious to see what he develops into because, I mean, he's starting to play a lot. The game-winning goal against the Jets was huge. I mean, it was a slapper right there. It beat Hellebuck. I believe it was Hellebuck. That was Felino, no look pass. Yes, it was Felino who fed him. Felino and Savard. So gave him the no look. That was sweet, and I, I, I just like seeing a player starting to develop more into a shoot first guy, and, and that's been very encouraging to me. I, I've got a prediction for you on Luke. I believe that when 
this team again gets pretty competitive and can be a playoff team, I think Cunn's going to be a springtime sensation. He strikes me as a big game type of player. He strikes me as the type of guy that that you that you like and respect and take for granted for eighty some games during the regular season, Declan. But he I don't know why, but he strikes me as the type of guy that when things get physical and mucky and tougher, that he's going he is going to at some point in time be a springtime playoff type of guy who thrives. And you and know, score some really big goals. I think we looked at when he was at Wisconsin and when he was coming up through the minors, he was a center, center, center. He hasn't played much of center at all this season. And he's clearly developed into a really nice wing. So, again, and it'd be nice if we could find a, a, a center. Uh, but if if this is the role he's in, it's just like Granlin. Don't force the issue. Yes. You know, don't don't force it. Yes. And if he can be a successful wing and play off Eric Zanek, then that's great. I love that. Should we do it? Yeah, let's do it. Mid-season, Mid-season awards. Mid-season awards. All right. We're, we're going to uh, confine these to the wild uh, we're both going to go through our midseason awards and also then uh, come out of this with our second half predictions for what will happen with Bruce Boudreaux's hockey team. Most valuable player through 41 games, Declan, drumroll, is... What do you got? Oh, you go. Oh, I'm going. I thought you were setting me up to drumroll you. That's why no, I did no, it. No, no, no. You go. I think you're going to hate this. Um, I have Eric Stahl. I have Eric Stahl as my most valuable player. Through 42 games. Um, He got off to that little rough start where he was obviously banged up but was trying to play through it. He then turned it on and has quietly put together another very productive season, much better than last year. Not the 42-goal campaign we saw, I believe, in season number two with the Wild, but much more the player we saw in the first season that was uh, a big force and a big-time guy that helped the Wild almost win the Central Division, um, won 100-plus points, and then he got hurt in the postseason, but I think Eric Stahl, with what he's been able to do this year, and it, he's been very underappreciated, um, but I think it's Eric Stahl. It, picking the MVP of this team is very hard. I was going to say, I, I have the same one, okay? Okay. So my point was going to be, let's try and not do the same guy. So yeah. I, I I am looking at the, um, the uh, splits and point totals for this team right now, and I was thinking, okay, I picked Stahl too, but I'd like to pick a different player. I don't know who else I would pick. Suter, he's second on, on the team at scoring. He's got six goals, but he has 24 assists, so he has thir- 30 points. And he's your favorite player on the team. Eric Stahl and Suter are both minus sevens. Parisi has 26 points and 14 goals. He's a minus nine. This is, yeah, I, I don't know where else to go here besides Stahl. Besides Stahl, the o- okay, the only other one, and I can't do this, but the one that sort of, Jumps out because I think when he does get when he does get a chance and he's playing well, I like him a lot. Fiala, Fiala's got nine goals, sixteen assists, has shown that he can be a player. Yes. He's a, and by the way, he's a plus two. He's a plus two. All things considered, I'm from looking the first at dozen games. Yeah, Stahl very minus seven, Suter minus seven, Parisi minus nine, Zucker who's hurt and has twelve goals minus four. Your guy, Zuccarello who you jinx completely by writing a very nice piece on. He's a minus nine. Cunning's a minus 10. Um, so, no, I think I, I hate to do this because it, it would be more fun to uh, tell you I got a different player. But I think, yeah, it's Stahl. And if Stahl, you know where Stahl would have been helped so much? 
If he just hadn't bleeping played at the start. No, he was hurt. He was hurt. Like, if he just hadn't played. and he been, was hurt. And if they had just said, and I'm not even saying that Eric Stahl should have put his hand up and said, I can't play. But if they had gone to him and said, Eric, you're hurt. We know you're hurt. Because those first, what, five, six games, I, I think he scored his he first. He was awful. I think he got his first goal against Edmonton. And from then on out, he was fine. But he was awful. He was awful. And he was hurt. And everyone knew he was hurt. And he was still trying to play. And clearly, um, that probably damages his uh, statistics and all of those good I mean, things. But, but, I, but if, I'm with you, man. But, but I'm I don't. Eric Stahl. Here, here's a counter. I don't think that if you didn't know about the seven games, because if you were just a common fan looking at his looking at his numbers this year, and if you saw it, and you'd like, well, he must have been good all season. I don't think there would be a. I don't think you would even see that he was no, horrible for seven games. I just think you'd be more impressive that. He, that oh, he I might, see what you're saying. I'm just he, if he was that kind of player in the first seven games, it could be even or better. Just take those out of his totals then, yeah. and, and he gets back and he's healthy and he can go from there. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. But I don't see I don't see a way around picking him. That's the issue I'd I have. Love to, I'd love to say I don't, it's Fiala, honestly, it's Eric Sinek, it's Suter, it's Spurgeon. I can't pick any of them. I, I, I think the leading candidates are probably Bruce Boudreaux. Bruce Boudreaux might be the MVP of this team. Maybe even Paul Fenton. Oh, okay. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I didn't oh, say two, it. two good trades. I didn't say the it. Fiala trade, working out just fine. Oil trade, did you, out by the, the way, quickly, yes. but before we get to uh, most improved player, did you see the Donato shootout goal against Calgary? Yes, yes, I did. Goal scorer, yes. man, sniper. I, play the man. Yeah, I was play the man. Speaking, I was all pissed off that Felino or Hartman. Ryan Hartman got an opportunity before Luke Cutton. I was all see another thing. I, I just don't, I don't understand who Luke well, Cutton the shootout, is. And, the whole shootout thing I, I bah, despise now. Humbug. But Donato, oh, boy. oh, that was great. Oh, boy. Yeah, he's sweet. I'll go first this time. Most improved. This is good. This is going to be simple. I yeah. think. Jewel Erickson. Mm-hmm. He has what three goals, so he's not uh, a dynamic points or, or goal guy for sure. But man, that third line, he's ba- he's basically become the new Koivu, I guess. Yeah, he's diet Koivu, and he's going to get more goals eventually. Like he's going to get more points. That's going to come. But um, Erickson to me has has you know for how long did we all? gnash our teeth as he got sent mm-hmm. to Iowa and came back and say he's got to prove himself and yes you know what to this day I would personally love Brock Besser on this team Who and if Eric Sinek was on the Canucks I'd be fine with that but all of those things being said for as much as we kept saying he he has to prove himself and then you sort of backed off and said well is he getting a chance to play and when Koivu got hurt with the ACL last year he got that chance and I think that Eric Sinek for what he's being asked to do and probably Declan what he's capable of doing is doing a really nice job. I've been really impressed with how he's been able to play all year. Um, I definitely circled him a little more and and knew there's more to his game than just his numbers indicate. And you're starting to see, uh, as Patrick Royce likes to say, an agitator. He agitates. He gets under people's skin. He does. And that, whether the points come or not, the Wild have lacked that kind of player since their inception, since Matt Johnson, Steve McKenna, for God's sake. Matt know? Johnson was a fighter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. We're ta- we're ta- true, true. We're talking about not a fighter, an agitator. Who's two-way. Who can bother offensive players who are good. good. This is no. True. This, I should have put him in that group. He has decks. He has. Should put him in that group. He has, in 36 games, 12 penalty minutes. Yeah, it's very disciplined. So he's not getting that many penalties, no. but he's but if you can bug the McDavid's and the Matthews and those guys, oh yeah, go all for it. it. Good for him. Uh, I had Eck two, but or I had Eck written down. But um, Carson Soucy, I think Carson Soucy is obviously the second leading candidate, and you could make a case he's been even he's been even more impressive than Eric Neck has. I mean, this guy who I thought was 
honestly, a third-pairing, okay, sound defenseman. Not me. Ever since I saw him in the North Star yeah. Cup, I've been What Carson Soucy is to you is what Ryan Newton Hopkins, I think, is to me. You just have an oh, no, unhealthy obsession. I'm not in love with Carson Soucy. I am in love with Ryan Newton Hopkins. I know you are. I know uh, you are. But Soucy has taken um, a great step offensively, and he's kind of eased the burden a bit of Matt Dumba's slow offensive play this year. And I think I knew who he was as a, as a defenseman, and I trusted him there. But there's been moments in the offensive zone where, I mean, it's impressive what he's been able to do. Not afraid to to jump in, and, and it's always such a tough spot for a defenseman to go and pinch and try to go down low and maybe leave your other partner behind. And Susie has been a guy who I think his offensive contributions are very underappreciated. Oh, he's a nice player. He's a very nice player. And to your point about Dumbo, 43 games now, so he's playing, you know, playing a lot. Three goals, oh, God. 10 assists, 13 points. He's a minus eight, and the most astounding stat about Dumba, I, and we've discussed this on the podcast, zero power play goals. Yeah, it's that's off. Okay. That's <laughs> off the charts. Which which leads to the which leads to the caveat of our next award for the uh, Judd's Hockey Show between Judd and Declan Wild Midseason Awards biggest disappointment. But we both agreed we can't name Dumba because the discussion would be thirty seconds, and we've talked about Dumba's problems extensively. So. Declan, biggest disappointment, and we're taking out Dumba. It's Matthew just too Dumba. easy. It's it's not it's it's well, not. And it's a discussion we've had. Yeah, it's not to say that he hasn't been. We're, oh, no. we're, we're admitting his disappointment. Yeah. It's just he hasn't been. It's it's not fair. I I looped so. it. I looped it as one thing. It's just goaltending. It's just goaltending. Um, I I don't think you can. This I'll find a just like MVP though, but just like MVP. I don't know if I can definitively say there's a unanimous biggest disappointment. I know we just omitted Dumba, but Stalock and Dubnik have been so bad, and the defense and, and the expected goals that are supposed to be scored are through the are 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 saying the defensemen aren't at fault here. It's goaltending. Your goal saves a, above average for both goalies are well below average. They're they're basically negative WAR players. They're not doing their part to stop the damn puck and. So that means that the, the goaltending is just, it, it's so abysmal, and it's its holding this team back. We might get into this a little bit later after the midseason awards, but it's to the point where I think the offense not just has to, but can carry this team, and the goaltending is going to be the biggest caveat that's going to prevent them from doing anything in the second half of the season. I've got the same one, but again, that's boring. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go off the grid and not say it's a player. Okay. Well, it's a player, but it comes back to an organizational decision. Okay. And I'm going to back up the Declan Goff philosophy on life and say the biggest disappointment is Jerry Mayhew can't get a chance. Oh, I love it. Jerry can't get wow. a chance. Wow. Your guy Jerry can't get a chance. Really? Really can't get a chance. He really? Like you're calling up guys at times right and left. We did and, not consult about. It. I like this. And Good I like it, but okay. I don't love the guy as much as you do, but I think there's I think there's there there. We have to figure out. And again, you That's can figure, and you've got the ability. Don't at, I'll continue to say this throughout the course of the 2019-20 campaign as we like to call it. This is not the year to be like, "Oh man, if we got to get that third spot, you know, if, if you make the playoffs great, if you don't, who cares?" Jerry, where's why if there's any year to give a guy like Jerry, let's say he could score 15 goals. Okay, what's wrong? He's not the most responsible player on the face. I don't even know that for a fact. Here's what I hate, too. I, he is a right wing, and the Wild have a surplus of right wings. What's so, like, 
this might come off, and, and some hockey snob is probably going to in my at me here any minute after I finish the sentence, but like, what is so wrong with putting a right wing on the left side and left or on the right? What's so wrong with Zuccarello that? Zuccarello plays the offside, yes. but he's comfortable playing the right yeah, and side. Ma- right, so maybe Jerry's not, but get him up here. He's an AHL all-star. He might just be a 4A kind of player, but there's nothing wow. left for him to achieve at the minor league level. He's still scoring goals at a elite right down there. In second half predictions, I'm going to free up a roster spot that's okay. going to get your guy here. But I, but I that's a tease for okay. second half. Oh, well, I like I like the biggest disappointment. So good for you. Okay. Biggest surprise to me, I was going to say Carson Susie, but since you picked him for uh for what um most improved. Most improved, I'll pivot. Okay. And I'm going to give you this one cuz it's biggest surprise first half. I'm going to give you Victor Rask. Love it. I thought this guy sucked. Uh, and yeah. he really can't skate that yeah, well. He's still not but, great. But you know what? The coach has found a fourth line. And I don't look. If he would got scratched for the rest of the year, I also wouldn't care. But you know what? He's created some opportunities. We've seen him play some games where you're like, oh, whoa, there's something there. Not a great player. I'd trade him in a heartbeat if I could. But all of that, I of that being said, Declan, when we watched him last year and that trade went down and Nino went to Carolina, and obviously he's not had a nearly effective year for the Hurricanes this season as he did last season. But when Victor came here, I thought, this guy's awful. And he's really not awful. Yeah, he's he's, he's been a, a solid fourth-line center contributor who I don't think has been a problem at all. Mm-hmm. Biggest surprise, Victor Rask. Here's what's so interesting about Victor Rask is if he take away his salary and let actually you know what, cut, cut his salary in half. So he's making $4 million. Let's say he was making two. Would he be playing as much if he was making just the $2 million? And would we be saying his praises enough or at the same rate? But if he was making two, he'd be a bargain as a fourth-line center who actually holds up okay, right? Maybe, but maybe because he was not, he's not getting paid a lot and because you, you, don't, you don't really I need him, okay, yeah. could you scratch him more? I mean, I think he's yeah. playing almost... I don't know. How much is his salary but really better, dictating how much When we watch him... Especially live when when you, you can watch his shifts in full as opposed yeah. to TV. When we sit together in the press box at the X, we have both commented at times this isn't nearly as bad as we thought. Correct, and there is there's definitely something there. And the bird's eye view and w- hockey looks so simple from a press box, it really does. It's not that. Um, but it's not. It, it really isn't right. It's a eighth grade rec league for me was tough, but I got sure, out for that. sure, sure, sure. Floor uh, uh, boot and floor hockey goaltending was not the best for this slender guy either. So uh, I, I think Victor Rask is a good choice. And if we just keep him in this little bubble and box of who his perception is, yes, you know what, he might be a serviceable player. Yeah, and if you could trade him, trade him. But I thought he was awful, and I apologize. He's not awful. Uh, for me, biggest surprise is Kevin Fiala. I thought Fiala looked awful in his little 18 games here after the deadline last year. I thought it was a little ridiculous, but I guess it was a little bit of a league problem, too, with these RFAs taking forever to sign their deals. And, I mean, I kind of get it for a guy like Mitch Marner, who is obviously a superstar, but for Kevin Fiala to, like, be holding out and, and demanding maybe well, and more he money. Come over here because of the, of the papers. Exactly. Like, so he couldn't. There was a distraction. Yes. It was an unnecessary distraction. Agreed completely. And he looked lost again in the first dozen games or so. He was getting scratched. And you had much more patience with him than I did to start the year. But since that scratching, I believe, and I believe the, it was the second one in Montreal, he has been phenomenal. And he's been a dynamite player. 
He, I thought he wouldn't be the player he was in Nashville just because I thought Nashville was such a deep team yep. that we got a little flawed in his statistics. No, I, I think this guy is someone who can be who he was in Nashville at 21 when he scored 20 goals and can be a very nice playmaker. The reason why I'm so patient with Fiala and Donato is very simple. Goal scorers in this league are really hard to find, and I think, they're, I think they both can score goals. They're not just your average Joe players. Okay. They can score goals. All right, but before we pivot to second-half predictions for the Wild, our last midseason award, favorite goaltender. I think we're going to agree. Yeah, we're going to agree here, that, and that's fine. Go ahead. Capo. I, it, it's not even close. It's, it's, it's by default a little bit. And you got to see him. I want to see this kid play. I thought he I thought he gave the team such a good spark and jump when Dubnik went out, and I need to see who our goaltender of the future is. Devin Dubnik might go down as one of the best trades the Wild have ever made in franchise history, but his time is coming to an end, and you can't convince me otherwise. Um, you need to figure out what you have in goaltending, and this, this team also, even though they have a history of, you know, Fernandez and Rolo and, and, and Backstrom, there was that lull ugh, where... They were throwing bleep against the wall to see what would stick with goaltending, and it took a miracle to land Devin Dubnik to figure out your goaltending woes. Chuck no Fletcher, one, Hail Mary. No one thought Devin Dubnik would turn into who he is today. Joined it, him in you, Buffalo, and it was never the same that you season. Just, you just knew that, oh, we have to improve our goaltending. Just kind of like we're sitting here right now. We have to improve our goaltending. Yes, sir. No one ever thought he would be a, uh, a Vesna candidate every year in and year out. Uh, so you have to figure out your future in net, and it's Capo. I know it's only five starts or what he'd be made, but you, this is the guy I want to see more. All right, next up, uh, second half predictions. But before we get there, a new friend of the show, Declan. All right, let's go. Uh, that, that is my friend Jason Walgrave and the Wall, Walgrave Real Estate Group. And the best guarantee in Twin Cities real estate today is their guaranteed sales program. If you're thinking about making a move and selling your home, you've got to call Jason and the Walgrave Real Estate Group and ask about their guaranteed, yes, I said guaranteed, Declan Goff, sales program. Jason will guarantee the sale of your home when you list with the Walgrave Real Estate Team. Uh, why have a guaranteed offer when you can have a guaranteed sale? Now, here's all you have to do to get that guaranteed sale. Go to minnesotahometalk.com and click on the guaranteed sale button to learn how the program works. Take the pressure off your move this spring with the guaranteed sale program from the Walgrave Real Estate Group. Once again, you just want to go to minnesotahometalk.com to uh, get that. Breaking news. Seriously? Breaking news on this podcast. Okay. Capo Cochran has just been recalled from Iowa. Okay. Now, now. Put the context correct so that because we're doing a podcast in the morning. And in the morning on Tuesday morning. On Score um, North of 1500 tonight. He has been recalled under emergency conditions. It's 9.30 a.m. on Tuesday. I wonder if Dubnik is going to leave the team again. Yes. To be with his wife. Yes. Which I Michael think, Russo reporting that as which well. Which I think was planned, correct? Yes. Does it say that? Because I, I want to say that there was an expectation because Devin's wife had been ill, and I don't know if she's going for more testing or what yeah. now. So, so Capo's under emergency conditions. Okay. Um, Russo of The Athletic reports that um, Dubnik would be away from the Wild a bit in January as his wife undergoes a medical procedure. Okay, So, so it, it's it has to do with his wife, and he's taking a step back. But this so, is not new. This is not a new issue. No, but Capo Cockin, okay. as we record on Tuesday, uh, on Tuesday that, um, he is back up here. So maybe... There is a chance we could at the Wild don't play again until Thursday in Calgary, I believe. Correct. Again, They're right? off. Yep. So uh, he might have to make a start. He might just also be getting a little breather here, getting some practice time in. That's also good. Hey, I think 
I think Aaron Sickman. I think uh, there's a bug in here. Bruce Boudreaux, maybe an Aaron Sickman, maybe someone, oh some Ma- Megan. Is oh, Megan around? Boy, oh who's boy. who's got a bug in this Megan's room? Megan's not bug in the room. I, uh, I don't know. No, she's, no, she's, no. she's sad about those Bills losing. So I, I this is good for Capo. I'm I'm glad he's up, and obviously Devin is dealing with a family situation. So we wish him the best too. But um, kind of interesting that that happens as we're recording. They play in Calgary on Thursday, and then they come home again. Correct? I believe that they're off correct. Saturday and play on Sunday. So my guess is Devin won't go on that trip to, to spend is. time with his. Uh, Wife and kids. That's correct. Okay. Uh, all right. Second half predictions. All right. We'll start this one as simple as you could possibly get. Mm-hmm. And I'll start. Okay. Playoff team or no? I say no. Conference is really, really tight. There's so many points had. Like, for instance, you beat the Jets in regulation. That's fantastic. Two points. O- overtime. Or, but oh, yeah, two. OT. That, that's yep. right. Sorry about that. That's okay. So you do give them one point. Yeah. But they get one point. My bad. Uh, Calgary, you get a point. They get two. My The issue being is there's so many points at play here that when you get off to the start that the Wild did, it becomes very difficult to make up those points. So I'm going to say that while what Bruce has done has been impressive and while the start that this team got off to, which looked like this was going to be an awful, feeble bottom of the division, top five draft pick that I wanted so bad team, and it's probably not going to be that, I don't think they make the wild card field. Okay. I'm I'm in. I I think they do make the playoffs. Okay. Um Explain I think the offense uh alluded to a little bit of this earlier. I think the offense can actually carry this team. They're not gonna be Colorado, they're not gonna be Toronto. Um but since November first, they have the fourth most goals in hockey. That's thirty games. That's that's not a a little weak blip. That's that's eight weeks of scoring goals. Um thirty games. And I think the offense can really do it. What it comes down to is now I don't think it's safe to assume that we could, that Dubnik or Stalock or even Capo is going to come in and be a stopper. Mm-hmm. What you need at this point is average goaltending. Even just average goaltending can get you by. And at that point, mm-hmm. you get in the postseason, anything can happen. I don't like to be the cliche of the Blues guy because that's not fair. And everyone's going to want to find the next Who do you think doesn't Blues. make it? So, uh, like, who who do you think tanks out? Because that that's my problem is who are they going to jump and stay over so if we're looking at the division um i think dallas dallas i feel like is going to come down to earth i thought they were going to be really good this year and they had a, they had a coaching change um and i just don't buy them they they're, they've won four in a row as we record today too um but the look the central's log jammed man nashville and chicago are probably out i think i think neither of those teams are going to be in the running Winnipeg, I think, is a better team than Dallas. I think they'll leapfrog, and then it'll probably become between Dallas and Minnesota for one of those last two wild card spots. In the uh, Pacific, yeah, Calgary is okay. Vancouver's having a really nice season, which Vancouver's I, I probably, yes, Vancouver's saw that coming. They're getting good. Um, the Sharks made a coaching change. I think the Sharks are probably buried. I don't like the Sharks. So basically, what I'm, I'm a long play of saying the Wild will likely be competing with Dallas, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. As the yeah Edmonton, the Oilers' too. goaltending scares you, and they they still play defense optional. But then McDavid scores a goal like that, and I think they're going to go all the way. You know, I yeah, just, but it's remarkable. I, I've seen the last two the last two times I've seen the Oilers play New Year's Eve. I got home, and they were playing host to the Rangers at Declan. They're up six to nothing going into the third, I believe, and I think it ended up six to five. Uh. They completely and, and the goaltending there is just you know Mike Smith. I'm sorry, he scares yeah. me. He nice can, guy, but yeah. and he can get on those playoff runs where he's unbelievable, but he can also. And then, um, oh, and by the way, Bravo, NBCSN last night showed the Maple Leafs and Oilers in Toronto. Two non-U.S. teams. 
But Austin Matthews against McDavid, oh my God, that's Love a good it. idea. And McDavid scores that great goal. But the problem again last night is every time that the Oilers, who, who, who won the game, I think they won it like 6-4, to four, every time they seem to take control of that game, Declan, they then gave it back, and then it pinballed back and forth. The Oilers scare me. Now, here's my problem. I want them to make the playoffs desperately because I want McDavid in the playoffs more than I want the Wild. Like, I don't care about the Wild. Yeah. I care about McDavid. Yeah, I don't this, this country deserves to see if you're, or heck, Canada does too, but if you're a hockey fan, Connor McDavid deserves to play springtime hockey. There's nobody on the Wild I feel like really deserves to play springtime hockey. I, I get it. All right. Uh, the highest scorer will be Eric Stahl, right? No, I had Ryan Suter. Oh, do you? Yeah, uh, I had Ryan Suter. I think Suter's been playing playing really well okay. offensively, and I think by the time things cool off, uh, Stahl's been great. Stahl, Stahl, I can I can hear the case for Stahl, uh, but I think Ryan Suter's going to finish with more points. I think Stahl maybe cools off a little bit, or maybe is moved. I would move deadline. him, but I don't think they're going to now. I, I agree. I agree with you. So I, I think it's Ryan Suter. Um, points. Did we skim over this one? Uh, yes, we did. My okay, bad. no, you're fine. My my bad. So I have 92, and I still think that's a little conservative. That's going to be tough to get you into the postseason. You probably want to be on the 95 threshold to likely guarantee guaranteed a spot. Sure. Uh, but I mean, they had, I believe, 44 through 41 games. Okay. So that would put them obviously at about an 88 point pace. With their surplus of home games, factoring a few more wins they had in the first half of the season, I would say 92 is, I think, a safe over-under. If you wanted to, I can I can hear a bet for the over or the under for it. I think it's a good middle ground for where this team can be. I think 92 points. That's very fair. Yeah. Yeah, 92. Not, yeah, because there's so many points out there. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's fair. And and I think that's where I think it's 90. It, I think it's between, let's say, 88 and 92, and I think you just missed. All right, here's the loaded one. I'll start on this one. Who are the two goalies by season's end? This, this is so tough. This is so difficult. I honestly am going to tell you, and this might cost him a playoff spot. I know what we want to say. I can't get there because with, with Dubnik's off-the-ice issues, I don't see a way that they trade him Yeah, because that would look really, really heartless. Um, and I think he needs a uh, long way of saying, I think it's Dubnik and Stalock. Okay. Now, I know we want to talk about Capo, and I don't disagree, and I do want him to play. Um, but Stalock's on a, favor- a favorable contract, and I think they're keeping Stalock around because he-, he could definitely be exposed in the expansion draft. Good point. Uh, and I think that's why they signed him to that contract. Dubnik, because of the no-trade clause, which is not a full no-move, but it is a limited, I believe, has right or has to be protected, um, depending on what the uh, length of his contract is. Anyway, I think it's going to be Dubnik and Stalock when the team walks out the door. Yeah, this one's tough. Um, I I have Koppel and Dubnik. I think Stalock either... I understand for the expansion draft, that's gonna like that was probably the reason they signed him to a contract. But if you're the Wild and you're you're just hoping they take Staylock, like Seattle will take Staylock. I there's gonna be well, they won't take better him. players. They won't exposed. take him, but they won't take him. But you will expose him. Sure, you you have to expose a goaltender. Sure, so that it's a formality. Yeah, but I and but so I, I guess what I'm saying is. The likelihood that Seattle would take Staylock instead of someone else who was exposed by the Wild are are 
not likely. No, it's not. But you don't want to. Uh, you don't want to have to expose Capo. That makes sense. If so, if Stalock's gone, but I think there's something. And I don't think you can. I and I might be wrong about this. I don't think we you have can to brush ex- back up on this. Expose Doomnick. But I, I, I also though I think there's something with amount of starts. I don't think they can just expose just because Stalock's there. Second goalie, their backup goalie. I don't. I think he might be exempt too, due to due to starts or due to service I, time. I would have to look. I at could that be thing. wrong on that. If we had to brush back up. It's been two years since the last expansion draft, and also, even though Seattle will still have a good team, they're not going to have a good as team as Vegas because teams are now know that they realize the error of their ways. I.e., Chuck Fletcher trading away players to protect the players that they really wanted. So yeah, Alex Tuck and Hala. All right, uh, Dumix contract. Just to clear this up. Is he is in year one, two, three, four? It looks like he, he's in year uh, five of a six year contract. He will be an unrestricted free agent after the 2021 22 season. So I think it's going to be the two of them. And, and look, Coppa would be, I'd much prefer that and think that, uh, I think that it very well could be different when, when things start. If, if Devin didn't have the family issue, I would say that there'd be a good chance that, that they would try and move him to a team that they could, mm-hmm. but I don't don't see that happening. Yeah, it's it's tough. I just also think someone is more likely to bite the bullet if Stalock especially gets on a run here and plays start to play. Because he was, the weird thing was in the wild were dog dog bleep in the first month of the season. Stalock was actually playing yeah, well. Yeah, I'm not sure Stalock's as bad as you think he is if he's playing regularly. That's the other thing. Yeah. And that's the thing that we could talk about. It drove me crazy that Dubnik came back and it was just his net again. I don't understand why it's not a rotation so, now. So, like, but couldn't you see a team like Edmonton being like, you know what? Let's take a chance on Stalock. Let's take a flyer here. He's he's affordable. He he might stabilize some things for us. Maybe you know I I. He, but he's I not would like. Gamer, but here's what but... I'd like to see right now. I'd like to see if if we're going to do it this way. I don't want to see with Stalock. I feel struggles when hey, it's your net every fifth game on a back to back kid. I agree. You with know, you. I agree. With you. So you play this. Really good game against the Jets, and then you're tired. And I know that you're home for both games, but you're still tired the next day. And now the team's not as good in front of you, and you get that game. I'd like to see this be Dubnik, Stalock, Dubnik, Stalock. And because there's no compelling case to continue, in my mind, there's no compelling case to continue to play Dubnik because he's playing well. Because here's the problem he doesn't play well when he gets tired. So if you are like, well, he's playing so well, we can't lift him, then you're setting yourself up to fail. So what I would tell Bruce is, Bruce, by playing him consistently, you're getting the worst from him because of that. And then you get one of those games where, you know, and you know a Dubnik bad game. Yes, I do. They're shooting from the corners, and it's going in, and you get all that weird stuff. All right, last thing. Second half predictions. Minnesota Wild. Declan, who gets moved in the second half? And, so, and not who do you want moved, because I've got a laundry list. Who do you think? And I'll give you who I think. And obviously, I, I just alluded to Stalock a little bit, um, but I, I think that's a little bit of a pipe dream. I, I, I Honestly, at the deadline, I, I kind of want to say no one. Um, unless this team goes completely in the tank, I don't see them sell. I think you're selling low if you sell someone at the trade. The, the trade chips that they have, I think you're selling them lower at the deadline. Um, and this is a great conversation, too, with Dumba versus Brodeen. Brodeen's has one more year left in his contract, and I think he's also playing one of his best seasons he's ever played here. So now you're, at, you're basically at extension talk time with Jonas Brodeen. Then you have Matt Dumba, who's making a lot of money and has been a huge disappointment, but also might be a sexier option as a trade ship than Brodeen just because of his offensive ability. Um, 
So you're at a decision point, and if you're going to have to make a trade from a surplus of strength, which on your team right now is defense, with with especially with a guy like Susie taking the next step, I think Brodeen and Dumba are two guys I would be very intrigued by trading with this summer because I think they can build up their value even more. But you're going to have – I would be shocked if both of those guys were on the roster opening night next season. Yeah, and I love Brodeen too. I love him too. I love Brodeen too. My, the two that so I, have, I have no one. I honestly have no one. I've got two, and it's not Stahl because I would personally move Stahl. I don't think that they're going to. They're obviously, and we've talked about this a lot, lacking at that position very badly. Uh, so I've got two. I've got Brodeen, who I think could bring back a really nice haul. He's un, he's a great stabilizer. I, I think he'd be a great playoff player for for a team that needs a second pair defenseman. Um, can can you imagine him on the Jets? Now I'm not saying that you trade him to the Jets, but Oof. can you imagine him? The Jets, the Jets miscalculated because they they let they traded and, and or let defensemen go right, and then Bufflin said I'm not coming, and now the Jets are playing uh, potato all the time. The Jets are a good team. Desperately need blue line help. Yes, they do. Can you imagine Brodeen oh, there? Be huge for them. He'd be enormous there. So I think Brodeen gets moved, and then I'm going to open up, as promised, as I teased earlier on Judd's Hockey Show, I'm opening up a spot for your guy, Jerry, to have a chance. I am moving because I think he could help a playoff team. I think he's underrated, but I don't know that he's what this team needs right now. Fourth liner, Ryan Hartman. Hmm. Because I think he could get you a little something back that you might like, that you could spin into a nice piece draft pick for the future, something like that. But I love his game. He's the type of piece of the puzzle that I usually would obtain as I'm getting good to be like, okay, this is a... But on this team right now, if I could spin him just to get something, and I'm probably not going to trade Stahl, and I understand that I would get more for Stahl, but I'm just trying to think about what could get me something. And Hartman... And by the way, that would open up a spot for my guy. That would open up a a forward spot for your guy. But I really like what he's brought. He's a veteran player. He has got one year left on his contract after this one, and then he becomes an RFA. So there is some controllability about him as well. Um, But he just strikes me as one of these workmanlike final piece guys that could really help a playoff team. And if I'm a playoff team and I've got and I need a third or fourth line wing, I'd love this guy. Yeah. If I'm the Wild, I like him. But I just think he could bring you a little something. That's a that's a good point. A you're something, something. The, the return is almost not ir- I would I wouldn't say irrelevant, but it's more of the, you're trading him to create an opportunity for someone like Mayhew. And I also want draft picks. Like well, I do want to stockpile draft picks. Okay. So because Chuck for years gave them away, mm-hmm. I would like the Wild to go in. With, to I would like Billy Garrett to have one Spielman like draft stock, where you've just got draft picks. And you can take chances. Sure. And you don't Lottery feel, tickets. Yeah, exactly. Because you know what? Those guys can develop. Yeah. And Lottery if you tickets. get and, – and if Ryan Hartman gets you a draft pick, and I'm not saying it's a first round, I'm not saying it's a second round, but let's say he gets you a draft pick and you hit on that, that's going to benefit you for a long time. Okay. And he could, go to a, he could go to a nice team. Yeah, I don't mind it. We are just about done. Yeah, so let's – Executive decision. What do you want to do here? Okay. The hat trick, do we forego it? And, and do uh, the coaching change in Nashville? Yeah. Yeah. Let's Which do one? It. Let's do the coaching changes, okay. I guess. I was going to give you one of the questions for hat tricks. I thought it parlayed really well into this, but that's okay. Let's let, go ahead. Okay. Just quickly. Unbelievable here. With the coaching change that we had with Peter Laviolette being fired in Nashville yesterday. Okay. Mm-hmm. The number two 
tenured coach in the Central Division now, and I think it's like number five or six in the entire league, but number two in the Central is Bruce Boudreaux, who was fired or hired on, that was a Freudian slip, who was, hi, who was hired on May 7th, 2016. He is number two, the only coach in the division who exceeds him on service time. Paul Maurice of the Jets, who was hired uh, midseason, January 12th, 2014, uh, by Winnipeg. Boudreaux was hired in May of 2016. Jared Bednar was actually hired by the Avs in August of 2016. But can you believe that? So this, in, in the last two years, all right, in the last two years, November 6th, 2018, the Blackhawks named Jeremy Culleton, their coach, to replace Joel Quenville. November 19th, 2018, at this point, on an interim basis, Craig Berube was promoted to the Blues coach after the firing, of course, of Mike Yell. Um, and then your guy, Monty, was fired by Dallas this year, and on December 10th, 2019, Rick Bonus was named as the coach right now of the Dallas Stars. Anyway, Long if story. there's any league in which there is no security, <laughs> it's this one. And right now, so right now, in season, Declan, there have been six coaching changes. There are currently, of those, four guys coaching their teams on an interim basis. Interim. That's the only guy who's been given the full-time job was when Toronto fired Mike Babcock and hired Sheldon uh, Keefe, who's done an outstanding job. Nashville, as of this recording, and, and I'm sure it's going to be changed by the time this airs on Score North of 1500, as far as I know, hasn't even named the who's going to coach them tonight. They're playing Tuesday night. Uh, they fired Laviolette on Monday and said, we'll name a coach tomorrow. I'm, I'm so thankful for Bruce Boudreaux. And I'm thankful, I'm with you and I'm thankful for Bill Guerin and Leopold sticking it out. And also, but the Boudreaux, yes, I'm with you. I'm just, Boudreaux. oh, I, I couldn't but imagine. Six, six changes made in season already in 2019 20, last year in season. So I'm not talking about out, you know, I'm not talking about you get to the springtime and name coaches. Last season, seven changes made in season. That's impressive to me. And That's I believe so it was insane. two or three, or three years ago, I believe. We had none for the first time in forever. Right. They're making up for it now. Yeah, they are. And, and again, just thank, thankful that Bruce Boudreaux is your head coach of the Minnesota Wild because I, uh, these Nashville team, I didn't think the Nashville team would be very this very good this year. I thought they were going to come down to earth. Yeah, you called that. But I, didn't see that one uh, I did not see them firing their coach after 43 games, and the coaching carousel in the NHL just continues. So it's a mess. How about that? And Bruce could have easily been fired oh, yeah. after that start. I, I so. think the odds makers in Vegas had him as one of the top guys. All right, Judd's Hockey Show. Uh, we're done with the long-form edition. We appreciate you listening to it on uh, Score North of 1500. We'll be back with a one-timer on Friday and talk to you later. Bash shoot score.